Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. It is Maddie and Ethan and a very special guest for another episode of the Vine to Mind podcast. And today we are introducing a brand new series, folks. So please get excited. We are doing the interview series where we're going to be able to interview some of our idols, some people that are very influential in the wine and spirits industry. Yeah, that's right. And today, uh, it's only fitting that we start off with the one and only Barry Wiss. Barry is someone that has been very pivotal in the wine industry and has really been uh, made a huge impact on Ethan and I's career and has been a great mentor for us as we've gotten started in this business. Now, Barry lives out in Napa Valley. He is uh, bringing us about 30 years of experience in this amazing industry. He's currently the vice president of trade relations with one of the largest family-owned and operated wine companies in the world, that is Trincaro Family Estates. He brings a wealth of knowledge, and we're so excited to talk to him today. We hope you enjoy. All right, Barry, welcome. You are our first guest right now. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing absolutely fantastic. And uh, I want to say first and foremost, uh, I'm honored. I'm very flattered. and uh, But most of all, I'm very proud of the two of you. And um, I just want to start out by saying it's been an incredible short, uh, but uh, hopefully the beginning of an incredible, incredible journey for all of us uh, working here at Trincaro and uh, the amazing journey through wine and spirits education. I'm very proud of y'all. <laughs> now, Barry, have you done a podcast before? Uh, yes, I have actually. Over the years, I've done okay. uh, podcasts, I've done uh, interviews, radio interviews, and um, so a little bit of everything. You know, I've been around for a long time, so you, <laughs> if you say just about anything, I've probably done it at some point in time. Well, you have a fantastic voice for he it. Does. That's oh, why yeah. I'm, I'm asking. Thank I mean, you should do this more often if you haven't done it very often. Um, <laughs> You're always welcome a, on the show. But, but you don't want me to voice. sing. I'm a terrible singer. Well, shoot. I guess we gotta. I guess we gotta get rid of that sound. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, yeah. So you have you. I mean, you just said it. You've been in the business for a long time, um, and you have such a great story. And I would love for you to share a little bit of that and how you got into hospitality and really just into the wine business. Well, you know, I've been very blessed, very fortunate throughout my entire life and career. Uh, born and raised in New Orleans. Uh, you know, very humble, modest beginnings, and uh, my family was not in the hospitality industry. And uh, I was in uh, I was in college. I was studying sciences. I was a geology major. My father was an engineer, and he pushed me into the sciences. And I started really early in college. And it, it, you know, looking back, it's probably a mistake. I should have really kind of really thought um, of what I wanted. You know, in my passion, where my passion lies. But anyway, with that, I was in school my sophomore year in geology, and I love geology. Still love the sciences. But I was working in a restaurant, like most people do. And I remember I was in, I was in geology lab, I was in mineralogy lab, and um, we were all looking at rocks. And that's what you have to do. You give you a big hunk of rock, and you have to look at it and identify all the minerals in the rock. Sounds like a lot of fun, and, uh, which it can be. But <laughs> I was there on a Saturday morning, and I had to work that night. And I worked in a small little restaurant, and I did everything in the restaurant. Man, I, I, did, I, I washed dishes, I managed the place, I cooked, I, I met with customers, a very small little cafe. And I was sitting there thinking like, God, you know, I really, I'm looking forward to going to work, you know, with the people I work with, with the customers that come in. And at that point in time, I had somewhat of a revelation. I said, you know what, I'm going to change my career and my career path. And at that point, uh, University of New Orleans had just launched uh, the hotel restaurant uh, management program, hospitality program. And uh, long story short, which is difficult, y'all know it's very difficult for me sometimes. Um, 
I met my wife of 30, going on 35 years now. And, um, so, uh, I worked for Sheraton hotels, she worked for Hyatt hotels, worked our way through school. Of course, um, my boss walked into my office one morning at the Sheraton on, on canal street in new Orleans, you know, big, huge convention property. And he said, um, he said, they're looking for somebody at, in Redondo beach. We have a new Sheraton property, in Redondo beach. You have to understand I couldn't afford to travel anywhere, maybe Biloxi, Mississippi. It was about it. And I said, well, beach sounds good, but Redondo, where is Redondo? And he says, Redondo Beach, Southern California, where the Beach Boys grew up. So went out for an interview, of course, got the job, packed bags, uh, drove all the way across the country. Kim and I drove out. We were in our, still in our 20s at the time, mid-20s. And, um, and I worked down there, but I didn't know anything about wine. Didn't know a thing about wine. But everybody said, you have to go to wine country. You have to go to wine country. And, of course, I was an F&B director for a large hotel group. So I came up to Napa Valley. Kim and I driving down Highway 29. You know, this is back in the late 1980s, early 1990s. And, um, and literally, I looked at her, and she looked at me. It's like, you think of what I'm thinking? We flat-out quit our jobs, moved up here. Um, and it's been an incredible journey, really incredible. Um, I worked at Tromsburg Vineyards for a couple of years and, um, then here at Trincaro, I'm in my 27th year here at Trincaro. So, uh, that's kind of a little snapshot, <laughs> trying to, it's trying to a small snapshot of, of what brought me out here. Mm-hmm. Right. I love that. I love that. So coming out to Napa Valley, you said what, late eighties, early nineties, the yeah. first time. Yep. yep. Like what was Napa like at that point? I mean, Ethan and I've lived here for a number of years now, but what was it like back then? Thankfully, a lot has changed, and thankfully, a lot has not changed. Um, and that's because of the Agriculture Preserve. And I learned about the Agriculture Preserve uh, that was in, started in 1968 by Jack Davies. And Jack Davies, of course, he was the owner of Schramsburg Vineyards. So I had, I, like I said, I've been so lucky in my life to work with so many inspiring people. And Jack Davies, he he created the Agriculture Preserve, and Napa Valley is the first Agriculture Preserve in the United States. So as far as, and if you notice, like Bistro Don Giovanni. That's mm-hmm. where the Agriculture Preserve begins, right on Highway 29. Mm-hmm. If you notice, that's where all the vineyards start. They just keep going. South of that, of course, is the city of Napa. So now the city of Napa has changed tremendously. Oh, un- unbelievable. I can remember, well, there's some things. There's some <laughs> real uh, kind of not so uh, nice bars and lounges kind of that used to be in <laughs> Napa. <laughs> city of Napa, imagine that. Um, but uh and uh, they had, a, like, in, like in downtown Napa, they had an army surplus store. And downtown Napa used to flood. Um, it That's used to have, right, like, yeah. like two, two feet of water, three feet of water that used to get into the, uh, into the shops there. And there was no restaurants to speak of. So it was very much a very small, slow, sleepy country town. Um, St. Helena was very small back in those, still very small, of course, but I think the population of St. Helena was maybe 4,000, 3,000 people. Mm-hmm. Um, the city of Napa was maybe 40,000. So we've grown. Um, but I, I think we've, I think we've grown well. I, you know, I, I, I never want to say, oh, you know, back in the old days, it was the good old days and everything. Well, you know, it's, I could say that a lot about a lot of things, but, um, but those were good times, but we still have a lot of good times and a lot to be thankful for in here in Napa. So we've grown, but I think we've grown the right way in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, you, you brought up a, a good point, Barry. You brought up the Agricultural Preserve. Mm-hmm. You, you stated, you know, it's the first one in the United States. Yeah. Now, we have people that listen from all around the world. Could you go into more detail about this Agricultural Preserve? If we didn't have the Agricultural Preserve, Napa Valley could look very different very different than what it looks like today. Uh, one example, just one, could be casinos. You could have casinos like in Sonoma. Now, Sonoma's twice the size of Napa Valley, but they'd have casinos in Sonoma. Well, we could have, Napa Valley is very small, and there's nothing wrong with the casino. Trust me, we, we saw a lot of wine casinos. But um, 
but not here in Napa Valley. And when Jack Davies came out here, Jack Davies, um, he was a, uh, uh, he was, uh, I think CEO, no CFO of, um, of Kaiser Aluminum. So he was an executive with Kaiser Aluminum and he lived in Rancho Palos Verdes in Southern California. He was born and raised in Orange County. And, um, when he moved up here to follow his dream, he said, you know what? I saw what development can do to an agriculture area being Orange County. And he said, and that's fine. We need that. We're, we're growing planet and we, we need that, but not here, not here in Napa Valley. So the Agriculture Preserve, which was initiated in 1968, and it protects Napa as an agriculture area. And to give you one example, I'm not going to go into all the details and criteria of it, but you can only have one structure per 80 acres. And I think that's even expanded now. So agriculture preserve, what you can do and how you can use the land here in Napa. Um, You can't have a, you can have wineries. Yes. Because that pertains to the agriculture of Napa Valley, but you can't put a strip mall, you know, in the middle of Napa Valley, Mm. for example. Um, So, so it preserves it the integrity of an agriculture product of nature, let's say. I love that because, you know, people that come out here, they know what they're coming out here for, you know, some amazing food and some even better wine. Yeah. At the end of the day, this was really farmland. I mean, it looks like Italy out here. We kind of have the culture of the French, but at the end of the day, I mean, you go to some of these Mm -hmm. interesting bars out in the middle of nowhere out here, you go to those bars (laughs) late night. You truly experience it's an agricultural place. You see some of these farmers that work oh. with their hands and they get up at four o'clock in the morning. So it's oh, great yeah. that we still have that yeah. here to kind of protect the land and keep it so beautiful. It's so beautiful here. Yeah, I know. I'm grateful for it coming out here a number of years later and still get to have that same experience. Absolutely. So yeah. that's awesome. Now, you've had a great history in food and beverage, obviously, when you were in college and then you were in hotels and whatnot. And then coming out here to Napa Valley, how was that pivot to the wine industry and working at Stromsburg and later Trinkera? What kept you in the wine business rather than going back to work at a restaurant or a hotel or something? Yeah, you know, and, and that was the beauty. Of, and as you know, and the, the two of you, our partnership with hospitality schools around the country is the first thing I tell the students that come here is be very, very thankful that you chose um, and be very happy that you chose the career path you, you chose because the world of hospitality is so vast. If you would have told me when I was a student in, in hotel res- restaurant management at, in college and working my way through school, you know, one day you're going to be a vice president of one of the largest wine companies in the world. I said, what are you, nuts? I, I think Chardonnay's white and I think Cabernet, that's a red wine. <laughs> I, so it, 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 the opportunities are tremendous. Um, but the two things that really kept me involved because I could, I could have gone back into the hotel business in an instant. In fact, I had offers. People thought I was absolutely crazy because I was going to be a general manager. It was my next step with Sheraton Hotels. And people were like, Barry, you're crazy. And I said, you know, I can always go back to the hotel business. I can always go back to the restaurant business. That's the beauty of this industry. Anywhere in the world, to be honest with you, if you're a true hospitality, food and beverage professional, get a job anywhere in the world. And um, so I said, you know, I want to try this. And Kim was on board, too. She's usually more on board than I was. And... Um, so I was like, you know, I want to try this. So, but the two things that kept me in, there's two things that kept me into the wine industry and especially here in Napa Valley. Number one, the Trinqueros. I was so fortunate, so blessed to come on with this uh, company and this family many, many years ago. And I didn't know a lot about the Trinqueros, but what little I did know before I came on board, even Jack and Jamie Davies, they were, I mean, we were very close and they were heartbroken when I left. And they said, Barry, if, quote, almost quote, that if you could have gone anywhere, that was the place that we would want you to go to work with the Trinqueros. 
And this was, you know, 27 years ago now. And um, so the Trinqueros, first and foremost. The second, now it'd be easy to say the beauty of the area, but there's many beautiful places to go, okay? But Napa Valley is, of course, very beautiful. But the love of wine, the love of wine. And I've always said that wine is, is one of the finest things in life, and it really is. And not only that, it's connected to beautiful places, great food, meeting great people. You celebrate you know, with, with special occasions with wine, some of the finest times of your life. So it's one of the finest things in life. But, and for you too as well, I mean, y'all realize this already. It, you're so, so young in your career, um, and it's wonderful that you realize this, but wine is so vast. I'll give you an example. Now, you got to be careful what you ask me. I tell you, you have <laughs> no, to be careful because it. it always links into a story, and I'll Please. try to make the story short. But <laughs> I, have, I have a relative. Um, I had a relative. He's passed away now. Um, but let me clarify, an in-law, an in-law. <laughs> and uh, I have a lot of in-laws. And he worked, he, he was a, a, really a great guy. His name was Ralph. And he worked for the Agriculture Department at the University of Mississippi in Picayune, Mississippi. And I don't even know what his title, I don't even know what he did. I think he was, he could have been a, uh, he was like a groundskeeper or something like that. But he, he tended to the pig farm in the Agriculture Department at the University of Mississippi in Picayune, Mississippi, which is about maybe two hours north of New Orleans, maybe an hour and a half. And, um, but he also tended to the vineyards. They had, they had some vineyards out there. Now they would grow muscadine and scupperong. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's right. <laughs> they, had, they had muscadine at Auburn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so muscadine and scupperong. And when I was in the, and when I, I was just started working here at Trincaro, we went out there, my brother and I and family went out and visited Ralph. And um, he, uh, he said, oh, you're in the wine, aren't you, Barry? And I said, oh, yeah, Ralph. And he says, he says oh, I'll make wine. And I said, oh, you do? And uh, so he brought me into his garage and um, he had a, a plastic garbage can like a 60-gallon plastic garbage can. And he had a piece of plastic hanging over it, and uh, he, he dipped the glass in there, and he says, here, try this. I was like, oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> he makes his own homemade wine from, from the grapes. And uh, so I didn't want to be rude or anything, and I said, okay, Ralph, I'll try it. If, if gasoline was digestible, this is what he was giving to me. <laughs> and he's like, oh, man, I love this stuff. And Ralph, you know, we paint a picture of Ralph. That's why he's, he was one of my in-laws. He would chew tobacco. So he had a wad of chewing tobacco in his cheek. He'd smoke a cigarette. In between spitting, he'd drink this stuff. So, <laughs> so that was wine to Ralph, okay? Now, Ralph, he was a great guy. He was a Vietnam vet, and uh, he, he passed away a long time ago now. And, um, but that was wine to Ralph, okay? Now, that's wine. But then you have classified growths. You have Grand Cru's. It's all wine. And that wine to Ralph, now if I would have gave him a Trinquero Cabernet Sauvignon, he would have probably, oh, but, but that's how, how vast wine is. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it's, mm -hmm. it's to so many people. And that's why, um, like, you know, right, even right now, you have people who drink wine way on this side of the spectrum. You have people who drink wine way on this side of the spectrum. So there's so many opportunities, and we know this is a large company, to market to each one of those, those individuals and those segments of the industry in the market. There's not too many products that can say that yeah. to that degree, to that spectrum, that broad mm -hmm. spectrum. It, it's truly incredible. It's truly incredible. Um, yeah. So that's the other thing. It's just there's so many opportunities within one product to learn and, and, and also to, and to thrive um, just within one product, wine. And it really brings so many people together. I love yeah. that too. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I can only imagine what that that wine tasted like. <laughs> that oh, it was horrible. It was horrible. Oh boy. Oh. Open top fermented muscadine sure. in, in a, uh, a garage. Plastic. <laughs> in a trash can. Sounds like a hipster wine these days. Like a, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of people doing that still. So Barry, you you know you've had a, a great opportunity to work with some amazing organizations as well. So you were you were setting in as president of Society of Wine Educators, and yeah. there that kind of led you around the world too, right? Part of, partly, yes, um, absolutely. That and uh, working for Trincaro, representing the Trincaro family all over the world, yes. And you've been to places like China. You've yeah. been to you've 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 gone through the Danube and gone to these wonderful wine regions of like Austria and Hungary. What's your takeaway on that? Can you talk touch a little bit on your travels with the wine industry? Oh boy, you know Kim and I play a game sometimes. And I, I, in, in all fairness, I mean, we've been around for a long time, both Kim yeah. and I both, and she worked for the Valley Vintners, the international marketing manager. So she did a lot of traveling and I traveled with her on behalf of Trincaro. We were very lucky we traveled together and I'd represent Trincaro on these vendor trips all over the world. So yeah. do you have any favorites, any favorite oh, places you've been to? Oh, jeez. You know, I get that question a lot. Um, and like I, like I was started to say, um, and I got sidetracked as I often do, um, Kim and I play a game. See how many countries and how many cities we've actually been in. And we'll play this for like, a couple of hours over dinner somewhere and we still can't name all the places that we've been but um but one of the oh man that's a tough question um i i I think if i had if somebody said okay all the places you've been to if if you could go tomorrow all expenses paid you go tomorrow no questions asked where would it be south africa really south africa south africa was or is uh, it's a very unique place you know it's at the tip i mean just uh, just you know, at the, at the bottom of Africa, and it's just it, it's just intriguing. The, the people are, are absolutely wonderful people. They're, they're yeah. so friendly. They're so nice. The food is extraordinary. Like, and it's some of my New Orleans roots. Of course, Africa has a lot of African influence in New Orleans food styles of food, and um, and the food is great. The seafood is great. The wines are extraordinary. And, and South Africa is one of those places, probably one of the best examples of. To really appreciate those wines and enjoy those wines, you have to go to the place because yeah. you don't see a lot of South African wines in the United States. And and they keep a lot of like the Pinotage. You'll say, I don't like Pinotage. And I agree with that. Pinotage, the Pinotage that you find in the United States, the little bit that you find. But when you go down there, oh, it was, it was tremendous. I mean, the Pinotages were absolutely incredible. Uh, but they only make a small amount because it's not marketable really outside of Africa. And um, But it had to be South Africa. And the beauty of the place. The place is absolutely beautiful and so diverse. Yeah. Wow. I, I would not have guessed that you would have said South Africa. Yeah. yeah. So, that's that's pretty amazing. Now, now, Kim wouldn't say that because there's some big <laughs> bugs down there. Big oh, spiders. Oh, <laughs> The, the, some of the monkeys can be kind of kind of bad, but, uh, <laughs> but that's part of the experience. It yeah. is, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's so true. Yeah, it's hard to come by some of these South African wines yeah. around here. But uh, I mean, hey, sign me up. I'm in. That's <laughs> awesome. You mentioned prior to getting into hospitality, uh, you majored in geology. Do you mm-hmm. see sort of a connection between those? Oh, absolutely. Two, and when you now in wine, and then with geology, are yeah. you the type of guy that goes out and licks rocks? To figure out if that's in I, I your Chablis or not? I okay. have done that on occasion. Yes. <laughs> okay. I have. You should have seen me crawling on my hands and knees on a very steep inclined vineyard in the Mosul collecting blue slate. Yes. Um, wow. And I, I do... It's about I, as wine geeky as it gets. I love <laughs> it. <laughs> We're in good company uh, here. Yes. But uh, but yeah, I, I, I still... I, I would say even more so I'm intrigued by geology um, and the earth and, and, and everything because, and that's why, that's another, I mean, there's so many things that connected me to wine and my, my, 
my love and passion for it is that, you know, and you've heard me say it many times that a, that a good wine tastes like a grape, but a great wine tastes like a place. And there's not too many products that can really say that. Um, really, they can't. Um, not, not, not to the degree that wine can. I mean, you could say that, you know, onions from a certain area or something or like Maui onions are better or something, but not to the degree that, that wine can. What about Parmesan Reggiano? Well, I mean, well, yeah, Parmigiano Reggiano. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there are a handful of things. There are a handful I'm of things messing. that you can honestly say that. Yeah. And when it comes to Italy and France, of course, um, Charant melons, you know, from the Charant, mm. we all, oh. ah, that ball is going to be started. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, but, but not to the degree that wine can. And that's, that's why I've said before, you know, all the way from, you know, Ralph making wine in his trash can to, to, to Grand Cruz. I mean, it, it, it's all this just... It has so much to offer at every level, every degree to, to, to everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Having that background in geology, I'm sure. Yeah. It kind of gives you a nice little leg up. Ethan and I, I know we'll, we'll try to study so much about different soil types. And it's so funny. I never knew I'd know this much about soil types. We're joking around that we know a lot about trees now too, because of oak barrels and grapevines. And so it's funny. Yeah. But once you, once you dive into the world of wine, it definitely gets deeper and deeper. So yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. So I want to touch more on hospitality because Uh I, for one, believe that wine, the wine industry doesn't really exist without the hospitality. What's your opinion on hospitality in the wine industry? Well, hospitality in any kind of consumer product, uh, and we're all salesmen. We all sell something, whether we sell ourselves, sell a product. um, And I'm a very, very firm believer that you can have the best product. Y'all have heard me say all this stuff before, and it's really true, and I've lived by it. And, and I, I, my opinion, I've succeeded by it, is that you can have the best product in the world. And, when, you know, we're talking about wine here. So do we make great wines here at Trincaro? You better believe we do. We make 90-plus scoring wines? You better believe we do. But I've often say I could throw a Frisbee and hit another winery. It's Napa Valley that makes all these great scoring wines and everything else. So what is the point of difference? First and foremost are the people. And... And, I, and I'll tell you, I'm trying not to tell you too many stories, but many, many years ago, we were at a national sales meeting. This is why I've never forgotten. That's why you hear me say it all the time, because we're all products of, of other people. We're all just bits and pieces of other people. That's all we are. And it could be something that's so profound that someone said that you will never forget. And we were at a national sales meeting in Banff, Canada, 20, I don't know, 25 years ago. And they had a gentleman on stage. His name was Ron Simeon. And he was head of Yankee Liquors on the East Coast. And this is how, how vividly I remember this. And he was up on the stage, and they had somebody from the on-premise world, which I, I, unfortunately I don't remember. Um, and then I'll never forget him. He just sat back, so relaxed, so easy. You, know, you could tell he was just kind of a guy, you know, like, oh, okay, well, you know, I'm here, and ask me any questions, and I'll have an answer for you. And I, don't, I forgot who was interviewing him up on stage. And, um, and he said, you know what? Hold on, y'all. Just hold on. He said, I'm going to tell you the secret of your success right now. He said, and we were just Sutter Home back in these days. In fact, we were just introducing Trinquero, M. Trinquero. It was called M. Trinquero back in those days. We were just introducing it at that national. So we were just really just Sutter Home. That was it. And um, he said, I'm going to tell you what the secret to your success is. He says, do y'all make good wine? Of course you make good wine. He says, but the person who came into my office before you makes good wine, the person coming after you makes good wine. He said, the reason why I do so much business with you and why I'm so successful with you and why I will always do business with you because I love these people. I love the Trincaro family. I love the salespeople to call on me. I love every person. I love doing business with every person in your company. 
And at that point, I said, you know what? I'm never going to forget that. You can have the best product in the world. If people don't like you, they'll never do business with you. And that's the thread that runs through our hospitality department. And y'all know this better than anyone. And we all know this in our hospitality. We represent a family, a wonderful, incredible family that we all love. And we want to make sure that every person that comes through here, no matter what kind of experience they go through, whether it's education, lunch, dinner, whatever it may be, just plain and simple. When they're driving down this driveway, when they're leaving, they're thinking one thing and one thing only. God, I love these people. These are just great people. People love you. They will always do business with you. And that's, in my opinion, do we have a good product? Yeah, you better believe it. All of our products are incredible products because Trinqueros give us what we need to really to do the best we can. But the number one reason is because people love the Trincaro family, their generosity, their kindness, and just who they are. It's a long answer to your question. No, I think it's, yeah, I mean, that's truly amazing. I think it's inspiring too. Um, it is. I mean, at the end of the day, that's that's what we're all about. Yeah, just making people enjoy, them, enjoy themselves. You know, we have all the, the uh, resources to do so. So that's awesome. Now, one thing uh, I kind of alluded to it at the beginning, but Barry, you've been so influential to both Ethan and I and so inspiring. When I, um, when I first met you, I remember just being in awe of just how much you knew about wine. And I'm, I still am, honestly. And the fact that you've been able to see all these regions firsthand is, is truly amazing. But um, I know Ethan and I, um, since we really got into the industry, we've kind of just hit the ground running with various certifications and learned just to never stop. Um, now, you, I know, have spent some time kind of within a few different organizations. I think you've done a little bit with uh, the Wine and Spirits Education Trust, some within the Court of Master Sommeliers. Mm-hmm. But Ethan also said, it be earlier, but you really stuck your, your full foot in to the Society of Wine Educators. Um, can you talk a little bit about your time um, studying for these different exams and really like if you were to talk to somebody that may want to, you know, go for a certification in the future, maybe offer some advice for them? Sure, sure. And you know, the only regret that I, I, I have really hardly any regrets that I, everybody has regrets, but I wish I would have got into this industry sooner. I didn't know what a sommelier was until, jeez. Oh, maybe 20 something years ago, I was like, sommelier, what is a sommelier? I mean, you have to understand coming from where I came from in, in, in New Orleans, um, you know, wine, we just had it for the tourist. I mean, it would come in and buy wine on occasion. It's a town built on beer and spirits. So it was never part of, of my world. So I wish I would, I had the opportunity to get into it sooner than I did. And so when I got in, I was like a kid, I was like, holy smoke. And, uh, I mean, we're busy here. We're growing exponentially here at the winery. And, um, so I didn't have a lot of time, but, but a little time I did, I devoted to my studies because I was just like a kid. I wanted to learn something new every day. I had, I had, and I'm sure y'all the same way. I had, I had like poster, poster stuff all over the walls <laughs> yeah. of my house. And I was just, you know, trying to study for certifications. And I was like, okay, there's, there's these, there's these organizations. I want to get professional certification when I finally discovered it. It's the Court of Master Sommeliers, WSET, Society of Wine Educators. So you know what I did? Started doing all of them, and uh, and which was really great. But I didn't have I didn't have the time to do it as much as I wanted to devote to it. So I said I need to pick one and just keep on going in that direction. And at that point in time, it was the Society of Wine Educators, and um, it was just they're just wonderful people. I like the way they do business. They're just they're very humble, very modest, and they're very giving. And I think nothing. I, I mean, the Court of Master Sommeliers amazing organization, incredible. WSET, a very large organization, uh, been around for a long time, since 1969. They're, they're international as Society of Educators and Court of Master also international organizations. Um, but I just like the way they, they went about things. And to devote, it, to me, it was very important and still is 
the more I learn, the more I want to share. And, and I think that's a wonderful thing in life is, is, is just what you have to help someone else. And, you know, that's why I say, but the two of y'all, I'm so proud of the two of y'all. And I'm like so excited that, that y'all have so much more ahead of you in, in learning and, and, and people like you um, all around. And I saw that with the Society of Wine Educators. Now I get to learn a lot, but I also get to give a lot. I know that sounds cliche. It kind of sounds kind of mushy, but it's true. It's really true. And it, 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 it makes you very happy with yourself when you have the opportunity to do something like that. And especially hopefully change someone's lives for the better um, and make them happier and, and, and ex have great experiences. And I know I had so many, I've had so many great experiences in the world of wine that to see someone else to enjoy that is, is, is a wonderful thing. So that's why I, I put my whole foot mm -hmm. in the Society of Wine Educators. And, um, but all the other organizations, you know, there's a great saying, great Lou Holtz, if you're not growing, you're dying. And I say this all the time. If you have the opportunity and the money and the time to do them all, do all three of them. They're exactly. amazing. They're incredible. It's funny that you mentioned uh, the more you learn, the more you want to share. Um, and Madison and I both feel the same way, but we actually had a discussion uh, earlier today about this. The more we learn, we feel like the less we know. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, okay, I learned all the Mbaga beads of Germany. Now I learned all the villages. You're not done. Now there's 2,000 vineyards you have to learn <laughs> and who owns them and what kind of grapes are growing there. It's like, it gets even harder and harder. And each rabbit hole you go down, it just gets even more fun, but also more challenging. It's very so, humbling. It is very humbling. And you know what? I think any, any great master sommelier or master of wine will, will say that we're all students of wine. I know that sounds cliche too, but it's really true. It's really true. The more you learn, the more humbling it is. It mm -hmm. really is. And I mean, the industry is ever changing too. Yeah. It's not, you know, yeah. it's, we obviously have, you know, many years of history, but look at Napa Valley, for instance. Yep. I mean, we haven't been making wine for that long when you compare us to like Burgundy or some Italian mm -hmm. regions and whatnot. Exactly. So do you see a wine culture in New Orleans now? Has it changed? Oh, geez. Ooh. Good Lord. Yes. Yeah. Oh, tremendous. Like, like, like from zero to, to 10. Yeah. Um, you know, we had the, the New Orleans Food and Wine Festival that's been around for, geez, 30 years now. Um, Absolutely. It's an exciting time, still an exciting time in the world of wine in the United States. It really is. I mean, we hit, you know, we hit a lot of growths you know, and plateaus, but really wine consumption in the U.S. hasn't really gone down at all, at all. Okay, so. Barry. So uh, I'm just going to put you on the spot right now because um, I know you're going to put us on the spot later with that wine you brought. Oh, yeah. Your favorite New Orleans dish and wine pairing. Ooh. Oh, ooh. Boy. I know it's tough. There's a lot of seasoning, a lot of spice in New Orleans cuisine. I would have to say a really good a andouille sausage chicken jambalaya with a nice chilled rosé. Mm. That sounds amazing. Yeah. I can think of a lot more of them, but I think that's that's the one. If, if, if right now I had to have a dish, a New Orleans dish and a glass of wine, right now at this moment, that's what I'd be enjoying. Oh, so I have some rosé at home if you want to <laughs> whip up some jambalaya. Oh, I can make some jambalaya. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So you have, you know, what, 30 plus years of experience in this industry. Where do you see the next 30 years going? Uh, you know, it, 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 what's, what's old is new again. Uh, it, quite often you see that, uh, like the whole thing with seltzers right now. You know, we had uh, Bartles and Dreams, wine coolers and stuff like that. It, it was really big, huge. Y'all probably don't remember those, do you? No. Yeah. We've read no. up about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've read <laughs> up History about books, it. yeah. Uh, but, uh, but now, you know, to see the seltzers and, you know, the low alcohol. I mean, 
it, once again, just going back to when we started our conversation and what attracted me to the world of wine, it is so diverse. Um, but I don't see any of the segments or categories of wine and wine beverages now going away. They, they might slow down a little bit, you know, they'll go down, they might come back up. But, um, but once again, you know, the, the whole wine as a product is so vast. It, it, it could be something to everyone. Mm-hmm. And as far as trends, you know, I think it's great that the younger generation uh, that's coming into the, to the industry right now um, is, you know, they're looking for low alcohol, you know, somewhat of kind of a healthier kind of lifestyle, the no alk, uh, which a pioneer, of course, would free um, here. And, um, you know, when we came out with that product, people were kind of scratching their heads like, you know, hot, really high quality alcohol removed. Eh, but look how well it's done over the years. And, uh, and the Trinqueros have always been pioneers in that way. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, I don't, I don't see anything truly going away mm-hmm. as a wine product, mm-hmm. you know, it might slow down, then we'll come back eventually. Yeah. yeah. And you know, the Trinquero company has just grown tremendously since you hopped yeah. on board here. Yeah. Um, but you know, I tell you what, yeah. um, wine travel, and, and as mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've hosted a lot of wine river cruises. Um, and the thing that I've really noticed that I know will increase even more so are wine destinations. And it's the most explosive area in the travel industry right now. That's why all these these river cruises have exploded. Well, river cruise in itself is an amazing thing. But when you can couple that with a wine region, learning about culture and history and great wine, it's tremendous. Mm-hmm. It really is. So I would say, you know, a trend, you know, related to the wine industry is the travel industry to, to wine destinations. Yeah. It's going to just explode. I love it. already that. has. That's so true. Yeah. I mean, so many consumers yeah. now, or wine collectors even, yeah. are just wanting that education too. And so being able Absolutely. to tie that in with a vacation and learning more about a beverage that they really love and are passionate yeah. about is awesome. Yeah, it's a very intellectual thing. Sure. Um, and you, when you have people who, you know, want to learn more, it's just, it, it, they're, you have people who tend, you know, very most time a lot of affluent, very you know intelligent people and successful people. Um, they want to enrich themselves, and um, and I think we all do to some degree. But uh, but you know it's really it lends itself. Wine lends itself to an enriching lifestyle. Right. I so agree. Barry, I, I'm assuming a lot of people are going to probably think this, and they probably going to want us to ask you this because I know we get this question a lot. Best wine you've ever had. Oh, jeez. Best wine experience oh, you've oh, ever had. Oh, best wine experience. Let's oh, do that. Jeez. Um, <laughs> best wine. Well, the first one that comes to mind. I mean, I, I, there's, I, there's so many, but the first one that comes to mind is um, when Kim and I first we moved out to California. Um, we used to go up to Santa Barbara a lot, and uh, we were just we loved to go up to Santa Barbara, wine country. We'd stay a couple of nights up there every weekend, and we're going down. Um, uh, what was it? Uh, 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 for that road, it's a very famous old country road. I uh, forget what it is. Oh, Fox and Canyon Road. Fox and Canyon Road, yes. And we were take, going like Fox and Canyon, went to Firestone, you know, all these really gainy, we went to all these really nice wineries. And we're going down the road, and there's a sandwich board sign and orange spray paint. They had just winery with an arrow with orange spray paint. And it wasn't, I mean, the handwriting was actually terrible. It started going off the sign. You're kind of squinching up the letters. And uh, it's like, I got to turn in here. This is, this is unbelievable. So we turned in. It was at the end of the day. We were heading back to our hotel and uh, walked in. It was a barn. It was just like a big open barn area. And they had, of course, Pinot Noir is very famous down there, of course. And they had like these open vats where they were doing punch downs. They kind of look like champagne vats, you know, the kind of shallow mm-hmm. champagne kind of style vats. And, um, and it, there was nobody in the place. I was like, wow, you know, they're fermenting wine over here and they're 
they got they got a sink over here with like glasses and you know some lab stuff over here and and uh, so a guy walked from the back and he had a stained t-shirt, long beard, and um, he had wine stains all over, white t-shirt. He goes, "Hey, how's it going?" And I worked for Sheraton at the time, and uh, I said, "Oh, my, my name's Barry, I'm F&B director, Sheraton Hotels." He goes, "Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah." He says, "You want to taste some wine?" I said, "Sure." sure. And I give him a business card and everything, and and uh, so he literally he goes over goes over to the sink, washes two glasses. Hands them to us. He says, "Let's go to us taste some barrels in the back." <laughs> I have I never had. I t- I've tasted wine out of a barrel before. I was like, wow, this is awesome! And uh, so, anyway, you know, we thanked him and everything. We bought a couple of bottles of wine, and um, now the story doesn't stop there. Fast forward about fifteen years later, I'm sitting at Bistro Don Giovanni at the bar. Did I ever tell you all the story before? No, no. Sitting at bit, about fifteen years later, I'm waiting for an account because we're building uh, we're building our kitchen at, at, the, at the ranch, and we didn't do hardly any, very rarely did dinners at the winery. So I was waiting for an account at Bistro Don Giovanni to, to treat him to dinner. So I'm sitting at the bar. I got there early, and I got a, they have great Negronis there. Great, and I know the bartender. So I ordered a Negroni. I'm sitting there sipping a Negroni, and, you know, it's, and then the guy's sitting next to me. And um, so we start talking. He's sitting by himself, and uh, he said, oh, so you work in a wine business here? I said, oh, yeah. And he says, yeah, I own a small winery down south, and, he says, um, we're putting in a tasting room, and um, you know, what's the best tasting room experience you ever had? Same question you just asked me, or the same winery visit. <laughs> Interesting. So I tell this guy the same story I just told you. He looks at me. Uh, this is f- about 15 years later. He looks at me. He takes out his business card. He slides it over to me. It was the guy. You're kidding. Fox and Winery. Get out of here. Fox and Winery, which is still a small winery to yeah, this day. They made great wine. <laughs> he said, I can't believe you told me that story. And he says, I'm here doing research to open up a, a formal tasting room. I said, well, <laughs> don't change. T- true story. It gives me, it still gives me goosebumps when I think about it. He just like freaked out. This guy totally freaked out. He, he had a little less hair and he shaved and everything. I didn't recognize the guy, not that I would have. But anyway, long story, to you, uh, long uh, answer to your question. Sorry. <laughs> that's all. No, that. I love that. That's the, I mean, that's truly but, the romance of wine. But, yeah. But once again, it goes back to the point. You can have the most fancy place in the world. If people don't like you, they'll never do business with you. You can taste wine in a barn and you'll always be loyal to that brand. Yeah. Because it's the people that make the difference. It really is. And it really is a small industry, too. Oh, yeah. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah. That is wild. That is wild. Yeah. I love that. So you brought us a wine. I did. I did. You ready? <laughs> I'm sure you're not going to tell this? us what it is. We're going to have to tell you what it is, huh? That's, you, I, yep. That's right. Okay. <laughs> oh, this is fun. All right. All right so, put you yes. on the spot. Okay. Y'all have to turn your back. Okay. 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 Turn your back. Okay. I'm just going to keep it rolling, Maddie. Sure. So, so this is our nightcap. This is our nightcap today. <laughs> We're getting blinded here, folks. Yeah. This is from Barry's Personal Cellar, I believe. So... You can't Who see that reflection. That person, You're not looking at the reflection of the TV, no, Maddie, I'm are you? No, I'm not. I know better than to do that. Let well, us know. I need, to, I need to pour myself a little bit Oh, here. please this do. Is, uh, we left your glass there. I've had this bottle a long, long time. Okay. Hopefully it's not one of the wines that you got in your, uh, your journeys through the Chinese wine regions, which are up and coming. I know I, I'm not going to tell you. Okay, you ready? We turn All right. All right. Oh, well, oh, it's a white one. I was expecting a red one. Look at the color on this. Uh, it's, it's like this beautiful amber. Yeah, beautiful color. amber, rich golden color to oh. it. So, I mean, oh, automatically wow. we're looking at it. It is uh, definitely got a little bit of age on it just by looking at this. Ethan, give this thing a whiff. That smells beautiful. Wow, Barry. That is, it's just so nutty. It's hazelnut, it's almond, it's 
sweet caramel Money. to it. It's got this like, mm, like this like candy ginger kind of character to it. Ooh, good call. Sweet vanilla. This is beautiful. Like this is beautiful. Like, yeah, mm. like dried apricots. Bear, this isn't a wine that I've enjoyed with you in the past, has it? Uh, I'm not going to say. Okay. I don't even know why I'm asking questions at this point. <laughs> I'll give you some hints in a little bit. It has this beautiful, has this beautiful like white mushroom smell Ooh, to it, that. like yeah. that beautiful, nice earth. You're going, you're going out there, you're foraging for mushrooms. You have it's great mushroom. button mushroom. You have great descriptors, Ethan. That's gonna that's gonna serve you very, very well. I just Google wine descriptors on a regular basis. <laughs> Anything that sounds uh, uh, I think fun and start, esoteric. I think you could start writing them. <laughs> This is a lot better than I anticipated. Wow. No, it's fun because it's got some significant age on it. it but I think does. it's that it's that age that is really defining this beautiful character of this wine. You know, it's it's like that sophisticated grandfather, you know, sitting there smoking a cigar while he's drinking his scotch, reading Art of War, something like that. It's it's like really that's what we're doing right now. <laughs> no, that's the wine that we're drinking. Mm, okay. So, is it is dry or sweet? Oh, it's dry. It's dry. It's dry. Yeah, Bone it dry. It doesn't. Sm it smells like it should have a little residual it sugar. It does. It absolutely. Or like incredible ripeness to it, but um, and it's how about not. the acidity? Honestly, I mean, this wine has definitely got some to be holding on this long. That's for darn sure. You know, it kind of has a character of like, like it has floor yeast. Kind of thing. It's very savory. It's like salty, yeah, salty and savory, to a point where. I think you. Me. I think you're right. Yeah. I, I think this is. Are we going down that route? Wait a second. You would get smells, you. It does you have that like saline. You would get this wine, not an advanced sommelier, but a master sommelier. This is a master sommelier wine for the exam for the master song. You could easily get this wine. The acids. I mean, it's, it's not. It's there. It's it's very moderate. Kind of on the like bittery side of it, but hmm, you know, fruit is like very desiccated, like sun dried apple, mm -hmm. dried pineapple. Mm -hmm. It's it's the palate to me that's that's kind of giving me a, a a run for my money here. It's it's that it's that saline. It is. Oxy, it, mm -hmm. it, it's it smells like a sherry. It smells like a uh, knowing berry. I think that that would that wouldn't be a bad call. <laughs> but I don't, coming I from don't, a cellar, I don't. Honestly, there's, this is a very unique wine. Why not, why not? There's not many wines like this. Are we it, heading? It is It is a wine. Okay, I'll give you some hints. Okay. okay. Um, it is a wine that was not legal for sale in the United States because of the bottle size. And it is oh. a very rare oh. wine. Okay. This is like Kerner from Germany or something like that. No. <laughs> no, you're thinking of like a Boxbeutel. Boxbeutel is legal in the United States. Boxbeutel. I love me some box barrels. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I know there's like... <laughs> I beg your pardon. <laughs> um, I bought this wine at a place called Odd Bins in London. Probably 22, 23 years ago. And I purposely went there to buy this wine because I could not buy it because it wasn't available in the United States. And I've held it that long. I and I think it had some... Yeah, it had some age on it when I bought it too. This is a very ageable wine. It can age for a long, long time. Okay, let's get to a country. Okay. All right, well, how about a grape variety? What do you think of grape I mean, variety? 
This is a tough line, everybody. It's everybody who's going to be listening to this podcast, this is a very tough, very unique I mean, it's, it's, line. I'm already thinking this wine has like at least 40 years of age on it. It's very old. But it's it's held up. It's I mean, it's definitely developed mm-hmm. a lot of those like aged, beautiful characteristics. A lot of tertiary aromas, but a lot of like the age characteristic is what's leading the way. The fruit is kind of dissipated. Um, okay. You're not, it's just juicy. You're not going to guess the grape variety. Okay. I'll, be, I'll be amazed okay, if you okay. guess this so grape variety. So it's a, very, it's a very obscure grape variety, only grown in one area of this country. So you think of, of white, high-acid grapes. What country would you go to? Well, Germany. Well, Germany. It's not Germany. Austria. Not Austria. France. France. Champagne. It's cold? Nope. Are we in like Jura? Wow. Very good. So, okay. <laughs> We're in Jura. <laughs> Jura. So, okay. so okay. Now, what wines? What what grape variety? Very high acid grape variety is in the Jura region. Well, there's Sauvignon down there. Uh, and, and, and Ethan, so we... and Ethan, good job. This wine is made with floor yeast. It is, oh oh my wow. gosh! I know this one. Oh my gosh! Oh um, this is Vinjon. This is Vinjon. Vinjon. Oh my gosh! That's the bottle that explains the bottle. Which means what? Wow! What? Which, means, which translates into what? Vinjon. Yellow wine. Yellow So that's wine. why it gives it the color, yellow wine. So this is a, and this is the, that bottle. this is the, the most highly revered uh, producer of Van Jean, very famous producer of Van Jean. And you have to know, you too, Maddie, for, for your master of wine. Um, it's your Chateau Chelon. And this is uh, the best of the best. I think this is a, considered a Grand Cru. What's the vintage on this? This is a 92. 92. 92, yeah. But this oh, is a. I was a, way off of my age. Yeah. What'd so. you say? Forty. It's like forty years. I mean, it's, I mean, we're at like thirty at this point. Yeah. Yeah. This is. Uh, <laughs> I never had this before. Incredibly unique. Honestly, Jura, you're seeing a lot more wines coming from there these yeah. days too. Um, like the. Wow, you are. Yeah. 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 What's the other one? A Poulsard? Or Poulsard. Like mm-hmm. or, yeah. The. Um, so you were just at a wine shop in London and happened to. I was specifically this bottle? looking for this. Or were you? I was specifically looking for this wine and. Um, the guy kind of looked at me and said, like, really? You know about Chateau Chalon? I said, yeah. I read about it. only read about it. And um, he says, yeah, not too many people really know about this wine. But uh, but in London, in the UK, this, people really like this. And you can see they, they would have an affinity for it. Sure. Actually. I was at a wine shop yesterday, and they had a bottle of this there. Not the same producer, but... I would never have thought of anybody bringing this to a blind tasting. <laughs> <laughs> you totally, you totally got it. Sure um, then I'm not upset with the floor yeast call. So this is, I mean, this makes sense. The British love their sherries, yeah. so they love anything basically with the floor yeast. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Beautiful wine. Um, it's so unique. It's it's one of those things that I, I you know I talk about a lot with when it comes to like when you're drinking a like a whiskey or you're drinking a um, like a, a white Rioja. It's not you're not necessarily looking for fruit, mm-hmm. which is like the first thing people typically go for when they're tasting wine. Mm-hmm. You're looking for the fruit. Yeah. This wine is not made for you to do that. You're looking for everything right. but fruit here, and that's why it's like the Fleurilis leads away with like it's salty it's savory it's like umami you get the mushroom and like you get the caramel and the nuts yeah. i i haven't i didn't even name a fruit that's what we're getting it's so beautiful mm-hmm. um what's the alcohol in this says uh, 14 on the I think so. this yeah. explains yeah you can take a look maddie but um the bottle the bottle clue should have given it away but, but, um, i forget they do smaller bottles on that yeah, but you know, one of the things that in and y'all is the educators that you are but don't ever forget you know you're professional wine educators, wine and spirits educators. And we have an obligation to keep things like this alive in the world of wine. And that's one of the reasons, uh, one of the many reasons, but, but, a, but a really strong reason why people gravitate 
towards Trincaro because in our education programs, because true, genuine, sincere educations, we're a soft sell in a sense. But we want, first and foremost, we want you to fall in love with wine. We make great wine, you're going to fall in love with our wines. But we want you to fall in love with the world of wine. So as professional wine educators, obscure wines such as this, we have an obligation to, to make people excited about these kind of wines. Uh, because if they go away, they can plant Chardonnay in this area. They could plant Chardonnay and it'll do really well. But does yeah. the world really need another Chardonnay? No. It'd be a very sad day if something like this goes away in the world of wine, something mm -hmm. unique and special and has so much history and heritage. Um, and that's why people really, like once again, you know, we're professional wine educators. We want to educate people about the world. That's like our Spanish program, our Spanish specialist program. We talk about regions that we don't import wines from. And people, mm -hmm. they appreciate that. Of course, we talk about the regions that we do and about the wines that we do, but at the same time, it's true, genuine, sincere education, and people love true and sincere sincerity. Absolutely. Well, Barry, this ha saying this has been a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to sit down and, and talk to you and, and ask you questions about your life and your opinions and your perspectives on things really is not saying enough. It's truly an understatement saying that it's a, it's a privilege to do this. Thank you for this wine. Um, I don't think I've ever had a Vinjon, um, which is kind of crazy. We might have to do a podcast on this in just the region in general. You might have to. Um, you ever gone skiing in that area? I have not. I've, I've been all over France many times, but I have not. I've been close to this area, very yeah. close, uh, but I have not. And um, uh, But we will. Believe my wife, my wife and I, Kim and I, have festivals like all over france mapped yeah. out like like this village for cheese this village for sharon oh melons this village so <laughs> yes. we're gonna go on one heck of, and they have great cheese in this area you can imagine that's bordering swift they have great cheese and stuff so uh <laughs> awesome. yeah shut shalom here we come that's awesome well thank you so much for sharing and thank you for taking some time out of your day to come speak with ethan and i we, we really appreciate it and um just thank you so much for just inspiring us and so many more to really um dedicate so much time to this industry uh, i'm very flattered y'all thank you so much well, folks, we hope you enjoyed our first segment of the interview series. Sure was a special one to both Maddie and I, and hopefully to all of you as well. Uh, stay tuned for more episodes in the future of our interview series. We're going to be interviewing people with wine, spirits, people that worked in vineyards, worked in wineries. Um, we got some exciting people to talk to as well, but I think uh, this one for sure has really uh, the icing, icing on the cake here. We really enjoyed this. So thank you, folks, and we will... Uh, We'll be seeing you soon. Cheers. Cheers.